Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I hope wherever you are and whatever you're doing, other than listening closely to this wonderful podcast, uh, I do hope you're enjoying your day or night. Thanks for listening to The Get Around. We've got a fantastic episode. I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and with me in the studio, as always, are my fellow sports writers at the Traverse City Record Eagle, Brett Summers and James Cook. How's life treating you, fellas? Great. Excited to be here. We do have a really great show. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to just sound like we're bragging it up, but we're bragging it up because it's going to be great. Jinx. Jinx. Here we go. I have the worst show ever. So. All right. Wor- uh, worse than the deleted one? Yo, mm. no. No, that one will never see the light of day. But You uh, hope. Uh, yes, I do hope so. Uh, all right, as I said, we've got a fantastic show for you, and if you haven't noticed by now, fantastic is one of my favorite adjectives. In fact, I actually said it so much during my uh, my last podcast, the one that I had before this one, uh, better known as the snack. Uh, you can look that up if you want to. It's it's pretty good. So, uh, well, my my girlfriend at the time she actually bought me a thesaurus and highlighted the word fantastic and then the synonyms so I could expand my vocabulary a little bit. She was uh, she was a thoughtful lady. So that was more controlling. That was very nice of her. <laughs> no, she was she was great. Uh, a little bit later, we are going to have the man behind the website snooze to you. This guy is basically the Joe Lenardi of Michigan prep football. The website he runs predicts the postseason matchups from the time the playoff points are released by the MHSAA. Of course, until the Saturday before the Sunday when they are released. Of course, the playoff uh, matchups were released this Sunday with uh, a lot of viewing parties around this area, I would imagine. So uh, we'll have him on a little bit later, so either stick around for that or you can fast forward to that part. That's the great part about a podcast is you don't have to listen to the whole thing, but I certainly hope you do. Uh, listen to this one and uh, you know you'll want to let your ears experience everything we got to say because it is fantastic uh, we'll uh, talk some golf uh, girls golf finals as Traverse City West pick up picked up its second state trophy in three years and Annika D won her second straight individual title we'll also get in some boys tennis uh, as St. Francis won two individual state titles as well as some boys district and regional soccer and we'll talk a possible Buckley Leland regional championship match. We'll also put up three nominees for our eighth un- inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, and despite winning her second straight uh, state championship, it's not going to be Annika D because she was already inducted, and we already talked about her probably winning uh, an LPGA championship, or at least something uh, while she's on the tour. We'll end our show with the trifecta. We finally get around to picking the best speeches in uh, a sports movie. I know that we've been talking about that category since week one. Uh, But before we get into all of that, let us put our fingers on the neck of the local sports world and get into the pulse. Uh, Obviously, the biggest conversation happening throughout Michigan, at least about sports right now, is the announcement of the prep football playoff matchups. That was, like I said, this Sunday. There are many to get to, but we'll start right here in Traverse City and look at a couple of TC teams versus a couple of Midland teams as as West takes on Midland Dow and Central Battles Midland. Brett, you've seen the Trojans now a couple of times this uh, year. What's the big storyline going into this one? You know, it's going to be at least the fourth um, playoff caliber team now that they face this year. And, you know, three of those opponents in Brother Rice, Traverse City West, and uh, Portage Central did not go uh, how the Trojans would have preferred them to. Um, all of those coming in losses, albeit uh, close ones. Um, so 
I think it's just really has Central learned what they hope to by scheduling those tough opponents on their schedule. I mean, obviously the West game is automatic, but uh, Portage Central, Brother Rice, you know, did did they learn what they needed to even though they dropped those games? Um, can they go on the road in the first round and win? And, you know, the interesting thing, uh, obviously we'll, we'll probably get into this more, but a win on the road in round one could net them essentially a home game of their own in round two despite not being one of the top seeds in that district. So, uh, you know, a lot to play for, um, a lot to prove. Uh, you know, a second straight year for Central winning a first-round playoff game. Uh, would, You know, looking at its history uh, and more recent history would still be a step in the right direction for, yeah, this, for would, this program. It would start a legacy with Eric Sugars. And the, that guy right there, he's not one to schedule non-conference cupcakes. Uh, for them to play, uh, they may have a couple of cupcakes in their conference schedule in the Big North, but they certainly go up against some quality teams as best they can to prepare for the postseason. And you know, uh, some coaches don't do that. Some coaches want to roll through the regular season and hope that they go nine and zero, and then they get to the playoffs, and suddenly they're seeing a team that uh, looks different from everybody they saw during the regular season. Yeah, no doubt, and. Uh... The mentality that uh, Coach Sugars has tried to put into this central team now through three years leading the program, um, you know, it's it's pretty impressive what he's trying to get them to accept as reality throughout the season. And, you know, as much as they would have liked to have won the Big North and, and you know, kept that streak going uh, over over West and the rest of the conference, it, you know, he's, he's plant, he plants that seed early that, yeah, winning conference is great, but it's not the most important thing in your season, and you can still have a great season beyond it even if you don't. So as long as you, you know, that cliche, get better every day, you know, good things could still happen for your team. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if uh, maybe we'll find out later this week if Eric's able to get that, uh, that tape from Tim Moore from when the Titans played them in week one. That's what I said when I talked to him yesterday on the phone. I said, you know, you've got a pretty good resource in Tim Moore, you, you know, um, the uh, West uh, head coach. I, I said, you know, is it possible that you're going to go over there and maybe ask him for a uh, probably more in-depth scouting report than one you're going to get from, from just the film? And uh, he said, yeah, I'd... You know, if he offers it, I'd gladly take it, and I'm, you know, I'm sure that he uh, he absolutely would. Uh, the other question that I've got for you is, you have uh, junior quarterback Tobin Schwanicky, and that kid seems to have just improved week by week. Does he have kind of the the grit to win a playoff game for Central? No doubt he has the grit. You know, I I wasn't really even aware of it at the time last season that much of last year he wasn't a hundred percent health wise. And uh, Coach Sugars kind of brought that up to me heading in when they opened camp in August and talked about how excited he was to have a full-strength Schwanicky, you know, running the offense. And, you know, if you've watched Central at all this year, you've seen a huge difference because, granted, they had athletes like Devontae Walker last year, but Schwanicky was not asked to be the focal point of the offense. You know, he did some really nice things in the passing game last year, but uh, in addition to kind of carrying those things on this season, he's become really the primary ball carrier, especially over this second half of this season. Um, you know, nearly 20, 20 rushes a game um, in addition to what he's doing through the air. I don't know off the top of my head exactly how many hard 100-yard rushing games he's had, but it's at least three or four uh, in the last four games. And, you know, touchdowns keep racking up, and 
he's got the offense going in the right direction, so uh, we'll see if they can put points up on the board on the road on Friday. Um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of important, like you, you're, you're talking about um, getting playoff wins in multiple years and, and building a legacy. I think in, as far as building up a program, too, I mean, I think there's, there's kind of those steps, and, and one of them is just winning a playoff game, which Central hadn't done a whole lot. And then I think it becomes winning a playoff game on a regular basis. Where, where you have that expectation that not only are we just going just gonna to get in, we're going to go in, we're going to win a playoff game most years or something like that. And I think that's another important progression in the steps of a, of a program. And I think you even, uh, you know, in, in when you talked to Tim Moore from West this weekend too, it, he sort of alluded to that too, the, the poor history they had always running into Rockford in the first round. They don't have that this year, and I think they're kind of looking at it in a, in a same, similar light where you get off on a – on the right foot now and and start building beyond where they've been in the past. I, w- I wish that I could go and watch that Central and Midland game because I saw Midland the first week and they didn't seem all that impressive against West and after that loss to West they've rattled off eight straight wins. Uh, they're sitting at eight and one going into this and they've got to be feeling very confident coming up against Central. So we'll uh, it'll like I said it'll be interesting to see how those two teams. Uh, face off against each other. You got to kind of wonder what changed with them. I mean, because not only with that game wasn't even close. No, forty-two I mean, to twenty. Yeah, I mean, and then they they won, they not only rattled off eight wins in a row, but against some pretty good teams in there too. I mean, I know Davison was a top ten team. They had some, above, several other playoff teams, including Dow. That, whom that they, they, yeah, whom that, they beat in the uh, beat. in the in the last week of the season in week nine. Yeah, and so I mean, you gotta you gotta wonder what changed between week one and and the rest of the season. All right, well, that game between Central and Midland is going to set up a rematch for West uh, no matter what. Either they're going to take on the Chemics or the Trojans. The Titans have already beaten both of those teams, taking down Midland, like I said, 42-20 to in Week 1, and then Central 29-27 to in Week 3's Patriot game. Uh, of course, uh, if they're going to get there, they're going to have to get by Midland. Dow, uh, the Chargers sit at 7-2 and and are going into the playoffs, much like West with a loss in Week 9. The Titans put up their worst performance of the season, uh, and I can say that pretty confidently after talking to Tim Moore about that, uh, in a 24-9 defeat at the hands of Coldwater, which made the playoffs thanks to that win. Uh, they finished 6-3. and Midland Dow uh, lost to its crosstown rival, like I said, Midland 41-29, and that snapped a six-game win streak. So both of those teams had really long win streaks going into uh, Week 9, and both of them fell. This game is going to be all about which team can bounce back. I know West is hurting with injuries to starting uh, center Sawyer Perquette and running back Andrew Campbell. You saw just how important both of those guys were uh, to what West does offensively. I really think that Perquette going down, James, you told me that it was a broken ankle and that mm-hmm. he's going to be out for, uh, for the rest of the season. Missing him is huge. You saw how you know how his absence affected that team offensively because they were not able to get the run game going and now you have Campbell who's out with a with an injury to his left leg and the running backs that they have you know are, are going to be Eric Labonte and John Jerkovich and Jacob Pulowski who has been dealing with turf toe all season uh, you know it's lucky that West came into this season having uh, running back game five or six deep because they've got three of those guys that can that can do it but all of them are going to have to step up and they're going to have to forget that they've got an injured center and they've got an injured fellow running back they're going to have to 
be that team that steps up. And, you know, they're going to need those uh, those big games. Ryan Hayes is going to have to come up strong and provide some offense, uh, split out as a wide receiver and hauling in some passes. That's going to be tough because, you know, the Chargers are going to double or triple team him every time that he splits out. Every time he goes out there, they're going to get right on him. Or they should. They, listen, people have enough scouting reports at this time where, and you saw Coldwater do it to him last week, and he got so frustrated. He got, I mean, you know, he was, he was just, uh, it was a different Ryan Hayes. It was one who, you know, he shoved a couple of players after the whistle, didn't get flagged, should have gotten flagged for those, uh, but he was lucky enough to, to not, that it certainly wasn't going to change the outcome of the game. They were losing that one uh, no matter what. They're also going to need quarterback Sam DeKuyper, uh to have one of those flawless games like he has a couple times this season. There was one where he went 6-for-6 six six for 141 yards and two touchdowns. There was another where he went 9-for-9 nine nine with 143 yards and a pair of scores you know, in those two wins. So that's the Sam DeKuyper that's going to need to show up. I'm not, I'm not really sure who wins this game. If we see the West team that we saw in Week 9, it's not going to be the Titans. Uh, they need to come out with some fire and passion. And, again, as were said, they're a pretty even-keel team. I don't think even-keel is going to be enough to win a playoff game. Yeah, you really got to – at that point – um, you shouldn't really have to get riled up anymore. You shouldn't need uh, necessarily those motiv- motivational speeches that we're going to go over later from the movies. Um, you Although know, it wouldn't hurt to play one in the locker room beforehand. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not, yeah. get uh, Or maybe you know, maybe somebody like Al Pacino is available for hire. I don't know. I, yeah, It'd probably you know, be pretty spendy. but You'd probably have to dip into that cash on hand in the, uh, the school budget to see if you can get Pacino to, to fly in and... You know, I'd be more than happy to pick him up at, you know, Cherry Capital Airport if, if you do that. So, you know, Jason Carmine, uh, let me know if that's an actual thing that you're going to do. I, you know, I'd, I have no problem being a chauffeur. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, West met at the uh, Interlochen Golf Course, I think, for their playoff watch party. Um, I think you're going to see uh, John Jerkovich move over to fullback, and then you'll have you know, the, the running back duo of Labonte and uh, Pulaski, who, who looks like he's going to be a little bit more towards 100% this week than uh, than he has been the last previous weeks battling that uh, foot injury. Yeah, they're gonna they're going to definitely need that. And Jerkovic is a he no he's a speedy running back who has broken a lot of tackles this season and made some spectacular plays. He's also uh, he can also haul in a couple of passes and, and do what he needs to do to to help offensively. It's this is going to have to be a team effort. They're going to have to do this as a team, and they've been doing that all season. But Wurr said last week that the chemistry, the unity, was out of whack with those two injuries. So they're going to have to get over that and get that win. A huge Division Six matchup features 8-1 Traverse City, St. Francis taking on six and the 6-3 uh, and three Copper Kings of Calumet. The Gladiators are also coming off a loss to Boyne City that ended their quest for a perfect regular season. James, does St. Francis have the right kind of attitude to rebound from that loss? No, I think I think certainly um, I think that they would be heavily favored in this game against uh, the Copper Kings um, coming in, being playing at home. Uh, Cali Mets a team that got in at six and three. Um, St. Francis is going to want a, not exact revenge, but you know rebound from last week's loss, and I think Cali Mets going to take the brunt of that. 
uh, Joe Mizlakovich, I think, will probably return from that uh, concussion that he got in the first half of last week's game. And uh, but they, you know, they might figure that they might do kind of like what TC West did against Cadillac and figure maybe we don't need him in this game and we may you know maybe hold him out uh, until we in, until we show that we need him or something like that in this game and uh, and just kind of save him for what they probably figure is a matchup against Boyne City or Glen Lake in week two. Yeah, I spoke with head coach Josh Sellers last night, uh, Sunday night, I should say, and I asked him the same question. How do you think your team is going to rebound from the loss? And he said he didn't know. He wasn't sure. He said that this junior class hasn't lost a game in five years. The senior class hasn't lost a game in a very long time, uh, I mean, other than last postseason. But when you're when you lose in the postseason, your season ends, so you don't have that chance to bounce back and see how you would do coming off a loss. So I brought this up, I think, every week. St. Francis had that streak of 30 regular season wins and never a loss in the regular season. I, I want to see how they bounce back. They're also not going to have quarterback Danny Passanow, and I know that's been uh, a factor uh, in these games. You know, the, the interesting thing about uh, Coach Seller's answer to that question, um, you know, I appreciate his honesty that he doesn't know, but I, I find that to be a little bit of a curious answer just because uh, while maybe you haven't faced the specific adversity of a loss, uh, you know, in, in so many years, but I, I just would feel like you've got a home game uh, to open the playoffs, uh, you know, clearly based on how the season went and the teams you've played, you've you've had a better year regardless of what the records were, and you know winning thirty some games or whatever it was in a row. I just feel like you would have the confidence that the that the guys are gonna uh, bounce back right away. And not to say that he doesn't, but I just find I guess the the I don't know answer kind of interesting. Yeah, we'll certainly find out when they play. Uh, kickoff is one p.m. on Saturday at Thurlby Field. Of course, uh, you could see a rematch of the Glads versus the Ramblers if St. Francis wins and Boyne City beats Glen Lake. I don't see that as a sure thing for Boyne. They're going up against a team that made it all the way to Ford Field last year and lost in the state championship. They've got a great quarterback in Kate Peterson and a multi-threat weapon in Nick Absey. Yeah, and their and their defense has been kind of coming around um, early in the season in their losses to Waterville and St. Francis. Uh, that was kind of a problem for them. Uh, you know, they couldn't get the defense off the field. Uh, later in the season, that hasn't been nearly as much of a problem, although they haven't played teams to that level quite as much. I, th- I think the defense has come along. It has improved and, and gelled a little bit. It's still fairly young. Um, they quite a few juniors on that defense. But uh, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, Boyne City has, you know, a load of seniors. I mean, that team is just chock full of seniors. Um, it'll be interesting to see how different they are next year because they're going to lose so much. But, uh, you know, Boyne City's got that home field, and I was there at that game last week against St. Francis, and, man, their home field, that that crowd is packed. Um, it's kind of Yeah, it's kind of like being in, in Thrillby Field for, like, the Patriot game almost. Not, I mean, obviously not quite, but you've got – not only are the stands all the way full, but you've got the uh, the fences going around are lined usually a couple people deep, all the way around. And they love their and football in Boyne City. It was it was a pretty good, pretty festive atmosphere there. So, you know, I, my feeling about this game is that um, Boyne City is the better team, and they clearly have the advantage getting to play this one at home. 
but I can't help but wonder. I mean, what what did what did you lose um, out of the win against St. Francis last week? Just in terms of you know the effort and the energy and the focus that it took to beat another undefeated team. Can you come back equally as focused and uh, ready to go back to back weeks against two very good teams? Uh, you know, and and take care of business both times. Yeah, uh, we're we're gonna find out again. Those games are both set for Friday, I believe. Uh, Friday at seven p.m. In Division Eight, you've got undefeated Gaylord St. Mary versus Munising Frankfurt hosting Newberry in a battle of six and two teams, and then Joburg headed to Lincoln Alcona. What's the best contest between those three? I'm gonna take the Frankfurt game. You know, the, uh, it'll be really cool, uh, I think, to see uh, Lockhart Field packed for a playoff game. And, um, you know, this is the it maybe an opportunity that Frankfurt wasn't expecting to play uh, at home to begin the playoffs. But I do wish that I could give the quote uh, that uh, Frankfurt head coach Matt Stapleton said to me last night, but it does happen to have an expletive in it. And basically he, he, he said, holy and smokes. Then, yeah, Holy and smokes. then and then fill it in from there. But you know this this really gives Frankfurt a great opportunity to get this postseason started off on the right foot. I mean, obviously they were incredibly disappointed with kind of the little bit of a meltdown that they had at Glen Lake um, in the the latter half of the season, and then obviously the uh, Muskegon Catholic Central game that they lost earlier in the year. Uh, you know, to a team that's now beat them three times in three years. But, you know, after that one, and I don't know, James, you can more speak to after the loss against Frankfurt, you just get the feeling like despite those losses, Stapleton and Frankfurt believes they still have the talent necessary to get to a to get to Ford Field and that they've learned that they've learned enough uh, from facing these opponents kind of over and over again the last couple of years that they know what they need to do. It's just a matter of whether or not the execution is there. Yeah, playing a team like uh, Muskegon Catholic Central in the playoffs the last couple of years and, and the regular season this year has got to be something that uh, that will pay dividends eventually, I think. Um, you know, it, it gives them a, a literal bar of where they have to be to win these playoff games. Um, I think Newberry is obviously a, a winnable playoff game for them, and then they can move forward. Muskegon Catholic did lose its Week 9 game, I believe, this year. Um, so maybe they can uh, can break down that tape and pick up a little bit something from that too but uh but i think there's an opportunity for frankfurt to to make a bit of a run here and then they then they would get gaylord st mary they'd have to go on the road in the second round i'm assuming other area games have the big arm of justin nicholas and grayling heading out to reed city in division five action and elk rapids hosting ishpameen westwood in d7 on the eight-man side, there's undefeated Central Lake, whose offense has just been off the charts this season, averaging nearly 55 points per game. The Trojans take on 5-4 and four Misik at home, and they have already beaten Misik. They beat them handily in Week 1. Then you've got Sutton's Bay battling tri, uh, Wyoming Tri-Unity Christian, and Bel Air heads to 8-1 and one Onekama. What do we like out of those games, guys? Well, to me, the uh, most interesting game, well, I, I mean, I guess there's two. The Grayling-Reed City game and the Elk Rapids-Ishpeming game both have a lot of intrigue to me. You know, we, we seemingly have been talking about uh, Grayling quarterback uh, Justin Nicholas. For the last three weeks. Yeah, all the time. Um, so I think, you know, there, he, he's just, he's got a little bit of that it factor right now. 
And, um, you know, even though they're going to Reed City, you know, a team that throws the ball as much as Grayling does, you know, 50, 60, 70 times in a ball game. And he threw 78 times in one, I think 72 in the other. I think he's thrown 150 passes in the last two weeks. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you could look at that, um, you know, from a Grayling opponent's perspective as, you know, live by the pass, die by the pass. But if you're not ready for that kind of pressure to be applied to your defensive backfield, I don't care what your record is, you could be in a lot of trouble. And, I mean, I don't I don't have great knowledge of what Reed City's schedule has looked like this year or if they've played anyone who even attempts to throw the ball half that much during a game. But, you know, that, that could be a real problem for, for Reed City. And then, you know, Elk Rapids, we've talked about it before. They've just they've had a phenomenal season, uh, bounce back after two really tough years. Um, back in the playoffs for the first time since 2014, uh, get a home game. And, uh, you know, it's n- not going to be an easy matchup by any means, uh, welcoming in Ishpeming. But, you know, it's, it's just a huge opportunity. We've talked about some of these other programs trying to take that next step into the postseason. I mean, this is kind of new territory for a lot of these guys for Elk Rapids, and it's a chance to really cement their own legacies uh, as Elks, um, as so many of these kids have been playing on varsity since they were sophomores and they're, you know, finally, finally seniors. So those are the two games that really stick out to me. Um, and the other three, I think Central Lake gets the win over Misik, Sutton's Bay over Tri-Unity Christian, and Onekama over Bel Air. Um, but it's, it, you know, nice to see so many of those local eight-man teams that made the switch back in the postseason so quickly and kind of recovering their programs. Um, and it's just exciting to be back in the playoffs. I'm going to go back to Elk Rapids real quick and talk about, like you said, how they have rebounded this season after uh, just a couple of really poor seasons. And you mentioned the uh, sophomores, um, who, or they had been, who are the seniors now, have been playing since their sophomore year. And I believe you mentioned this also, that they took their lumps and have had to play tough football. And then this year... Whatever motivation it was, they come out and go seven and two. I, I believe that you did the camp story on Elk Rapids. You had a chance to talk to Keith Schulte, uh, the new head coach, first year head coach. What did you see there? Um, I mean, well, they were a team that, like you said, a lot of those guys did go through those two. Se- I mean, they have a lot of seniors on the team, so a lot of those guys took the lumps of those those two uh, not very good seasons. Um, where they struggled with having enough players, having enough healthy players after some injuries and, and things like that. I think one of the things that really helps them, um, uh, maybe off the radar, is they you know they have good skill players, and that's what you know a lot of people just focus on. But they they returned a lot of people who had played for the last couple of years on the offensive and defensive lines, so they've got a lot of experience there. And uh, I think they they come into some of these games and. Uh, and, and they kind of surprise some teams in that their defensive line can can shut some some teams down and cut those running lanes off. Their offensive line can can open those holes. Um, they're not the, the biggest offensive or defensive lines, but they've got that experience from having so many guys that have played for a couple of years already on varsity. All right, I can't wait. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited for Friday and Saturday and playoff action to begin. With that in mind, why don't we welcome in the authority on prep football here in Michigan and the man behind the website, Snooze to You. All right, Snooze, uh, the first question I got for you is how did you get into this and, and kind of how did you become the 
the the ultimate authority on prep football in Michigan. Well, it was really quite by accident. About 10, 12 years ago, a couple of teams in my neck of the woods were in the uh, Division Four state championship against each other, and I just thought it was odd, so I looked at the pairings and um, literally just went to Google Maps before Google Maps was what it is now and uh, just plotted all the points just to to see how the brackets were formed, and it, it was interesting to me. Uh, so I posted the results on MLive. I'm not even sure if it was called MLive back then, but I posted it somewhere on some football forum and others found it interesting. And The year after that, I did it uh, more predictively rather than reacting to what MHSAA did. And from that point on, it just kind of took off. It really wasn't a, a plan. <laughs> Are you surprised at, uh, at how, much it's, how much it's blown up and, and everything that... Uh kind of what what's going on right now with you is it was that a surprise absolutely yeah it uh it's grown by leaps and bounds every year just i can tell just by the way my my phone reacts after i post brackets each week <laughs> snooze i got a question for you just i mean how'd you come up with that name why why snooze to you uh snooze was a high school nickname given to me by my basketball coach was that because you fell asleep during a game? <laughs> well, I, I did sit on the end of the bench, so it was pretty boring <laughs> there. But, um, and then snooze to you is just kind of a play on words. Um, you know, it's news to you. But, that, yeah, I would have named it more appropriately had I thought anyone would really care. You know, it was just a little personal website that I created even before I made a single map. Hey, I love it. And I, I think everybody else really loves it too. And now they're going to love knowing the origin story of that name. I know it's been a question uh, for a lot of people out there in Michigan. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it too. What, how long did it take for you to, uh, to gain the credibility with this and for it to take off to the point where it kind of got to become the, the go-to thing and people were uh, every week checking and seeing what, what you were predicting for the the playoff matchups i would say probably about five six years ago it really really started taking off it was um, mostly just people on on the m live football chat forums or whatever they were called um some interest there there's another football forum called cern's forum um you know we would use the maps there to discuss things but I think word of mouth kind of spread around and coaches really started liking it and started contacting me throughout the year. Hey, what happens if such and such happens? Where would you see us go on? That kind of thing. And, yeah, about five, six years or so, it really took off where now if I wear my my logoed shirt to go to a football game, people want to stop and shake my hand and stuff. And that's kind of strange for me. You're a celebrity. But, That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it, it is kind of strange. I go to the um, Ford Field for the uh, championships every Thanksgiving weekend, and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's hectic as, as I'll get out, but um, it's a lot of fun putting faces with the, the names of the people that contact me throughout the year, and I, I know that it's fun for them too so 
I'm kind of curious as well. Uh, I mean, as you obviously you're putting this information up online, and anybody can go look at it. But I mean, how often do you have you know head coaches calling you and being like, especially towards the end of the season, you know how 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 sure are you in in this matchup or, or something like that? I mean, are they are they really trying to to get in touch with you beyond? The, the brackets you put online to see what more they can glean from your insight? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's by any any means possible. I get text messages from people who I've never given my phone number to. I get emails. I get uh, comments on Twitter, you know, the private messages on Twitter and Facebook and you name it. Kind of yeah, like absolutely. how we got it to, uh, and hold, uh, kind of how we got a hold of you, I guess. Absolutely, it was uh, Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah, we got you through Facebook, and you know, we're like I said, we're thrilled to have you on here. Uh, I want to kind of get into the games right now. What when the when the playoff matchups were announced on Sunday? What was the most uh, surprising one that uh, that you saw? Well, I'm really honestly not surprised by a lot of things um, because I. I know how many different ways there are to create the maps given the distribution of teams. But I, I guess the biggest surprise was in Division 8 where um, they moved Frankfurt up into the UP uh, district. And Frankfurt, well, it's right near you guys, isn't it? It is. We were just actually talking about that game. Frankfurt uh, somehow got uh, got a home game in that one. And I can tell you right now, the head coach was really surprised, uh, basically saying, you know, holy cow, I can't believe that we got a home game, and I can't believe that we're playing Newberry. Yeah, um, I, I feel for Newberry. Those UP teams, they have to travel so much just week to week to play their games. And I think this, the change that they made, I shouldn't say change, the way that uh, MHSAA district that, it's very clear that their intent was to make uh, Region 2 look better. And it does. It looks much better. Um, incorporating the thumb teams with the kind of mid-Michigan teams. And then um, also the, uh, the four teams up on Lake Huron there. Um, it looks much nicer. I don't think it saves any travel, and it penalizes a uh, UP team. And uh, uh, I'm not in favor of it, but it, their map definitely looks nicer than mine. Um, how much of a, of a wrench does it throw into the uh, to things when you have something late in the season happen, like uh, Hamtramck having to forfeit all of their previous games from the season, and that kind of just changes uh, a whole bunch of teams' records on you at the last minute? Well, that particular thing wasn't so bad because it was um, enough time after my week 8.5 maps, which I don't know if you want to talk about that later, but it was enough time after that and enough time before week 9 that um, I didn't feel like I had to go back and change anything, and I just kind of chalked it up as you know something that happened in week 9. We've had things in the past where um, all the numbers were settled, all the scores were reported, and then um, last minute a forfeit came in, like literally right before we were ready to post the brackets. That's a huge pain in the neck. So I was grateful that it happened a couple of days before um, the last games were played. I've got a two-parter here for you. 
Which did you see as the most intriguing matchup, and which one do you think has the potential for an upset? Oh, boy, across the board? That's a really good question. Um, I I get so involved at just looking at dots on a map that I don't really think about the teams behind them. And i got to be honest, I've only looked in my area for the matchups. Sure, yeah. I get and that. there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of teams that have already played each other that are in rematches, um, like the Zealand, the Bird Bowl, the Zealand East versus Zealand West is always a really good matchup, no matter what the records are. And in fact, last week, Zealand East, who most people would consider the favorite, won, which makes me think, well, Zealand West is going to win this week. It'd be a fun game to go to. I don't know. That's, that's a real intriguing first round matchup to me. Another rematch is the DeWitt versus Grand Rapids Christian. Again, I'm, I'm being kind of a homer here in my local area. Um, but it, it's a rematch. It was a close game. And, uh, that one was very intriguing to me as well. You, you mentioned the, um, you know, your, your, week and a half favorite stuff i mean how do you how exactly do you go about over the course of the season choosing your favorites i mean is it all strictly based on you know numbers playoff points do you figure in some of your own opinion on what you've seen you know how do you how do you look at that and how does that do you, do you sort of use that as a, a way to um i guess prepare your map once the results come final well um week three through eight it's Strictly, um, if the playoffs began today. So, in other words, it takes into account only what the teams have done up until that point. It doesn't look forward at who they have to play. If your team is, uh, say, four and two after six games, you're going to likely be in the projection because that's kind of equal to six and three, right? Um, so that's how we choose the teams from weeks three to eight. The the one week that's different from all others is week 8.5, uh, which I put out in midweek after week 8. Um, that's the only one where um, everyone in the state has one game remaining. And my uh, stats guy that I work with, Jim, he, uh, he wrote a little formula that picks winners uh, for every game. And we bring in... Uh, maybe eight to ten guys to kind of look over the list just to pick out the obvious wrong ones. Um, generally, if you have a real powerhouse uh, Class D who's playing a, a mediocre Class B team, um, the computer might pick the Class B, but you know the D is going to win. Uh, we will override those. And then he crunches all the numbers and figures out the estimated um, playoff points and win-loss records for every team. And then from that data, we basically just apply the formula as it's written from MHSAA. We pick our automatic qualifiers and then add in the, the four lost teams. And it, it doesn't always get the exact right teams, but I think the importance of week 8.5 is to give uh, coaches an idea of uh, what division they're going to fall into. It, it kind of sets where the, uh, the break lines are going to be between divisions. And I know you've got one real close up there in Traverse City uh, West. Not really sure all season, are they going to go Division One? Are they going to go Division II? Right. Um, ones that are right on the border, it's impossible to predict with certainty, but uh, it, that simulation gives a pretty good idea. 
So did you develop specific software for this, or are you plugging stuff into uh, an Excel sheet, or, or uh, how does it work? I mean, I know there's a lot of numbers behind uh, as you know your mapatology. Uh, I have uh, many Excel spreadsheets, um, and I know that my stats guy also does. He's got databases, and I honestly don't know his whole procedure, but I know he uses a couple of different computers. For me, I, I use spreadsheets to do the, the sorts on the wins and losses and playoff points and all that kind of good stuff. But then I, I wrote the software to do the um, bracketing. Once I have the team selected, I create a Google map um, that has just pins on it, push pins that are all the same color. They don't have any labels on them. They don't have any indication of what the teams are. I just I see a blank map with a bunch of dots on it, and I can um, pick those, and it kind of fills in the regions. And as I'm going down the list and picking the teams, um, the software that I wrote, also shows me then what the seedings are. So, for instance, um, in Division Two, um, you've got your two Traverse City teams and, and two Midland teams. Um, it would show me that there's a two seed, a four seed um, that are close by, and there's a three seed and a one seed, which is unfavorable. Um, maybe you guys don't see it that way, but if I could draw a map where the two Midland teams are playing each other. The two Traverse City teams are playing each other. That minimizes the travel. And those are the things that I look for as I'm uh, bracketing the, each map. Yeah, I know that we would definitely like that because that guarantees a, a West versus Central game here. And we're not actually, you know, we're certainly not guaranteed that uh, coming up. So how much of a full-time job is this developed into, or how much do you have to put into this every week? It's, uh, I, I have a day job, and <laughs> it uh, basically just takes away from my sleep the last few weeks of the season. I've just gotten used to it. I don't really plan uh, anything socially, and I don't do much other than work on the, the website and you know communicate with, with coaches and things like that. Um, I should mention, I, I've got a guy that uh, proofreads the maps before I actually publish them, and he's been real helpful, and I've never mentioned him, but uh, his name is Adam, and he's been helping me for two, three years now. And uh, he just, he makes me basically defend my, you know, why did you do it this way, and wouldn't it be better this way? And um, so he's been real helpful, too. I just wanted to throw that in. Um, but, yeah, back to your question, it's a hobby for me. It's a very part-time hobby, but as the season goes on, it becomes uh, it. It just basically cuts into all my sleep time. <laughs> so the fact that you're you're missing out on so much sleep this time of year does that mean you know snooze to you is kind of where you envision it? You know, staying for the future, or I mean, do you have bigger plans for it? Or I mean, I don't know. The other sports don't have the qualification process that prep football has. So I mean, is there an arena for other sports or or I guess what what is the future of snooze to you? I've I posted brackets before for um, boys and girls basketball and for baseball and softball, uh, but there was no element of uh, you know predicting where the teams will go. So you're right; it's not the same process for qualifying. Um, that became very uninteresting to me. And plus, MHSAA started posting the complete brackets for all those sports. So 
I decided to stick with football. Would that maybe change a little bit if they start seeding in uh, basketball districts where it, where that kind of input might be a little more helpful and coaches would be uh, curious as to who they would play? I, I don't think it would be interesting to me if everyone still made the tournament. I think part of this is the part of the fun is, uh, you know, determining who's in, who's out. So I don't see it growing into that. It, I was starting to say if, if another state did it like ours, I maybe would be interested. But I believe that would just make it kind of too busy and kind of take the fun away for me. Um, right now, like I said, it's a hobby. It's a fun thing for 10, 12 weeks throughout the season. And, you know, after Thanksgiving, I slip back into anonymity and it's it's no big deal. So I don't want it to be so, you know, so big that I lose the enjoyment from it. So but honestly, I don't really see expanding in any way. All right, Snooze, uh, we appreciate the commitment that you have to this. It certainly helps us out as journalists, and I know it helps out the coaches and players. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day uh, to talk to us and, uh, you know, have a good rest of the week, and, and good luck on the uh, on Snooze to you and its growth in the future. Thanks, guys. It was my pleasure. And kind of speaking of playoffs, we had a lot going on this past weekend with girls' golf state finals, boys tennis uh, state finals and boys district so why don't we get into our over and under reactions this week busy i mean crazy busy on the saturday james you were down at grand valley state and watched west win its second state title in three years and then of course annika d winning her second straight individual title i however was in the office and covering uh, central in the district title game uh, which they fell one nothing to midland dow then there was St. Francis, which uh, finished in third place in state and then uh, for the first time had uh, someone win uh, a singles championship, and that was Nathan Sodini at three singles. Uh, they also won at four doubles with the team of Alex Thalen and Tyler Tafelski. Um, both of those were top-seeded going in there. There was also Central Girls Golf. There was volleyball, and I, there was I think there was swimming as well, and it was... Uh, it was a, a lot on Saturday, so over or under reaction here, the MHSAA should consider spreading out the playoffs a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think they should. Um, I think they, I think it would be quite feasible to move maybe golf up a week um, so that they wouldn't have the golf and the tennis finals on the same weekend. I mean, it not only spreads out us as the media, you know, but uh, but your, your sports fans who may want to go see these things, who want to keep track of it, stuff like that. And and with the golf season, I mean, we've noticed a lot of the teams around here how they had such a an aggressive schedule early in the season and then tapered off once school started. Um, so I, I don't think moving it up a week would would make that drastic of an impact on the on the schedule itself. Yeah, no, and not an overreaction there. You know, I think being able to have a focus as as October and November roll on where you just have one sport kind of in the limelight so to speak as to who's playing for state titles I think it would bring a better better exposure to each individual sport I mean obviously ones like football they're always it's it's always going to have that kind of exposure but uh you know these other sports these kids work hard from the dog days of summer just like football players do and if if you have some of these sports that all kind of get conglomerated all into one uh, one weekend, it's it's sort of hard to uh, to keep a focus on all of them. It sort of gets diluted a little bit, and I think being able to spread them out a little bit would would benefit everyone involved with each individual. 
Yeah, if you look at St. Francis Tennis, they've been rolling this year, and there wasn't a single time that either myself, Brett, or James, or you know, the, the three of us were able to get out and see a match. So we're getting all these results from head coach Paul Bandrowski, but we're never getting the chance to talk to the kids. We never talk to you know, Andrew Gerling or Elliot Bandrowski or, like I said, Nathan Sodini or Joe Primo in the, in the, uh, the singles matchups. Or, uh, you know, you had Adam Chittle and Brendan Chenard and, and uh, just a bunch of, you know, really solid players. Charlie Schmoody, Luke Kirchmarek at three singles. It's, it, it's tough because we want to cover as much as humanly possible but it's even with three of us, it's almost unrealistic for uh, for us to be getting out every single day and and handling this. There are we only have three people on the desk three times a week, and then we only have one person working the weekends unless it's state finals, in which case James and I work this weekend, and uh, it, it it had to make a choice this weekend. Yeah, it had to be a choice, and I think we made the smart smart one going down to Grand Valley State and covering that. We both, uh, all three of us, pretty much had confidence that West was going to win that title, and that uh, D was probably going to win a title as well. Um, yeah, and, and and I think having those both of those finals on the same week also happens to be on the same weekend of the last weekend of football playoffs or the regular season for football. So you got everybody talking about that, and they kind of get overlooked. I mean, the, the, the tennis finals and the golf finals just kind of get overlooked as far as the media. I mean, I was down there at Grand Valley State. I only saw two other people from the media there. There was one photographer from, uh, from MLive, and there was one reporter there from the MHSAA and me, and that was it. Well, yeah, look at it. We had... Two programs, two area programs, win state titles, you know, individual state titles uh, for the tennis team, and we spent the first, what, half hour talking about playoff matchups? That was the big news, is that, and that's Mm -hmm. what dominates, prep football is what dominates, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but... That's that's our job. We've got to be the ones making those calls, and I know there are a lot of people out there that, that may not like it and may not understand, but, um, you know... Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we're the, you know, we're the professionals, and believe me, we're always happy to uh, to take those calls, get those emails, and and respond to you as best we can. Uh, it's, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's upsetting when we get uh, those emails or phone calls where, where people are upset. We don't want to do that, but it's, uh, you know, it's collateral damage. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think you know. Uh, Splitting the, the golf and tennis finals up would be would make it much more easy for for us. Um, whereas we could have like if, if if the golf finals had been last weekend, we could have sent somebody to the golf finals last weekend, and then we could have sent somebody to the tennis finals this weekend. But the way it is now, it's just not feasible for us with the staffing that we have to to, to go to both. Yeah, can't happen. Yep. Moving on to some boys soccer, there is the potential for Leland and Buckley to meet for a third time this season, but it will come in the regional championship game if that is to happen. The Comets have to get by Ross Common, and the Bears have to beat Muskegon Western Michigan Christian. So over under reaction, Buckley and Leland play a season tie-breaking game in the regional championship match. Well, I'm, I'm always cheering for the best story, so... Obviously, I hope that happens because that's great for both those communities. That's great for us to be able to uh, cover a matchup like that and write about it. It just it seems like when you have these dream scenarios, 
propped up ahead of you a week or a couple of days. It just never seems to quite happen. So I'm hoping for it, but I'm going to say that it's not going to happen. I'm not going to say which one of those teams isn't going to make it because I don't think it's necessarily about the matchup. I just think it's really difficult to get those dream matchups to come true, and uh, I'm preparing myself for a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, that's what we all want. We want Central and West playing in the football playoffs. We want Leland and Buckley playing that that third game. But, you know, Western Michigan Christian is sitting ranked number three. Buckley's ranked number eight. So those numbers right now don't really mean anything going into the postseason because both of those teams are going to go all out. And I, I've said this before, but you've got those five players, Ridge Beeman, Brock Beeman, Joey Weber, Austin Harris, and Denver Cade, who made that run last year to the basketball uh, state championship game. And maybe uh, people might think that basketball experience doesn't travel uh, or doesn't translate over to soccer, but the chemistry that those guys have and the support that they get from the other players, Callan Wildfong, I haven't brought his name up once this season, but that guy is an assist machine. He, he is always doing unselfish things and setting up his teammates so they can score. Yeah, and that unselfishness, I mean, goes throughout the roster. You know, I covered that early district game last week, uh, Buckley against Pine River, and Coach John Vermilia talked about it afterwards, how, you know, everybody knows the names of those five players, but there's still another six players on the field. There's still another three guys who come off the bench early and contribute, and then you still have a handful more that totals up to 24 that he has to coach game in and game out, and it's not just about those five. And to talk about a program where you've got 24 players on a co-ed team and almost half of them never get to play, uh, but they're at practice, they're cheering on the teammates who do get to play, you know, the kids the kids who don't get to play, their parents are still coming to the games. It's a pretty incredible and, and selfless uh, atmosphere throughout the whole program. And, I mean, there's no question that that leads to some of that chemistry on the field. Uh, but it, it also, I think, lends to the confidence, you know, the belief that they can go in, they can beat this uh, West Michigan Christian team. And, uh, you know, obviously they're hoping to play Leland again as well. Yeah, this episode obviously is going to come out Tuesday morning, so hours after that, those are going to be those games. They're going to be in Cadillac, uh, Buckley and Western Michigan Christian begin at 5 o'clock, and then Leland and Ross Common start right after that. Speaking a little bit about Leland, uh, I watched them last uh, Friday in their matchup against Elk Rapids in which they won one to nothing. And that was, you know, what you would call a, uh, a defensive battle between those. Uh, I, I talked to uh, North Bay coach Tom Spencer, who was at that game. He was expecting four to five goals from each team. He thought it was going to be kind of, uh, kind of an offensive uh, shootout. But, uh, you know, what you, what you like in that team uh, is just their experience uh, and, and how they have gone throughout the season. I think they're sitting at 22-1 and one with that only loss coming to Buckley in a, in a 3-0 matchup. And 
Uh, you know, I, I believe that they'll get by Ross Common. I believe they are ticketed for the championship game. The biggest matchup is going to be Buckley versus WMC. Yeah, and, and, and if you did one of the, the by proxy things, I mean, uh, Leland beat WMC, and Buckley has beaten Leland one out of two times this season, so, so you you got to think that it's feasible. I believe that's called the transitive property in mathematics. Maybe algebra. I'm not sure. I'm not a math major. No, I don't <laughs> think any. I don't think. I think journalists get into our field to avoid math. But and yeah, here was I taking two semesters of calculus in college. Yeah, and, and in sports too. I mean, we especially uh, now it's done a little bit more for you uh, with teams putting their stats on online or whatever. But uh, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, I was having to figure out batting averages and scoring averages and all that stuff on my own and, and all that stuff like that. So it's something you definitely got to have. Yeah, and we just talked to you know snooze to you, and that guy's all about the numbers. And that and that cal- that formula that they have for the pl- for figuring out playoff points is uh, is not easy either. Yeah, and he wrote his own software. How cool is that? We had some good performances this week, but we can only put up three athletes for the Get Around Hall of Fame. Uh, Brett, your choice seems to win every week, so we'll start with you. Who you got? I'm going to put up Buckley's Joey Weber. Uh, is that because uh, John Vermilia got a little salty with you on Twitter? Oh, he didn't get salty. He called up, like I said, he called up me, and uh, he basically said he was just trying to stir things up. And I said, "Oh, you know, you and Trump, huh?" And he goes, "Oh God, I know that. I'm immediately going to delete that tweet." I, you know, I told him that I was just joking, but uh, yeah, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, Joey's the uh, the goalkeeper for the Buckley Bears, and um, they have now uh, de- delivered a clean sheet, uh, allowed zero goals in nine out of their last ten games. Uh, including the last three, and um, you know, Coach Vermilia even brought Joey out of goal for a penalty kick in uh, one of these district games that he sank for a goal. So it's, uh, I mean, his numbers are ridiculous, like a sub point five, goal. point four nine. Okay, goals against average and thirteen shutouts. Thirteen shutouts. So uh, it, we're gonna put him up today for that uh, for his excellent defensive work, not just in the last week, but. Uh, Pretty much all season. And if you look at the district tournament, they outscored their opponents, I believe it was 19 to 0. So they had two 8 0 mercies uh, and they had a 3 to nothing win in the first round. So it's, you know, Buckley's rolling right now. James, who are you putting up? Um, I'm going to put up the entire Traverse City West golf team. Um, I mean, you only get to count four at the finals and everything, but uh, throughout the season, um, all of them have been have been kind of encounters because uh, quite frequently you had had, uh, especially Annika and NCD, um, going off to play other tournaments out of state, stuff like that. So you would have uh, girls like uh, Hope Aspen Leiter, uh, especially Maddie McCall and Megan Jenkinson, who are two of the normal four counters, uh, Jillian Ilul. Um, coming in and and playing big roles and kept them ranked in the top 10 even though two of their top players were not playing with them quite often um and then in the in the finals it really wasn't really wasn't even close um i mean after the first day it was three strokes and then fairly early into the second day i think their lead bulged into the 20s did they win by 22 they won by 22 yeah that's that's ridiculous. And they kind of coasted to that. And they were, what, number seven in the rankings going in? I know they dropped down for some reason. We talked about yeah. that last week. Yeah, they dropped down because they had a couple of tournaments that they didn't win because the D-Sisters were not 
playing in those tournaments because they went down to Georgia to play in some uh, some like national junior tournaments. Right. Uh, and uh, those those voters weren't reading the Record Eagle, or they would have known to not drop West. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am going to put up the aforementioned Nathan Sodini from Traverse City, St. Francis. He became the first player in Gladiators history in the in the history of the tennis program to win a singles title, winning it in three singles. Uh, the kid is 37 and three on the season and did not lose a single match in Division Four, which is what uh, St. Francis is in. They he lost a couple against some uh, D1, D2, and D3 uh, D3 teams, but other than that, the kid has been perfect. So uh, votes around. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel. Um, I, I think it's down to James and mine. Uh, nominations. I'm not trying to take anything away from Joey Weber. What he's done this season has been fantastic. He's obviously a, a dream teamer when the uh, all-region uh, comes around. But uh, uh, I don't know. I'll put up mine. I'll put up Sodini. You put up West. And put up mine, and, and Brett, you, I get, get, to you get to pick. You get, you get to break. I yep. get to pick. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll start off by just saying, I mean, this is in no way uh, a slight of the Traverse City West girls golf team or what they were able to accomplish. I finally won. You can brag later. I'm going to brag now. Nate, uh, Brendan is going to celebrate this victory probably more than you celebrated your state championship. I Just, don't know about that, but, you know, I'm happy I won. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. I don't know why this is a competition now between the three of us, but... Uh, Everything has to be a competition. Yeah. So I think I'm uh, two and six now. James, you're zero and eight. So let's let's go. Let's get <laughs> let's get your act together. All right. But I nominated be, Justin Nicholas before he. I was I was I'm gonna say I was early on that on that train. I took dibs on Nicholas last week. You guys all know that shotgun rules apply. All three of us were in the building. I said Nicholas is mine. So that's how it works. I think I think Sodini's a good pick though because uh, you know he'd been one of those kids that we had kind of intended to to do a story on. Like the whole season after he got on in that that huge, I mean, he started the season winning twenty some matches in a row, I think, and we had intended to do a story on him all along, and just were never able to find the time to be able to do it. And then with uh, with their final being the same final, the same day as West's golf, you know, we weren't able to go cover the finals either, and and you know, do a, a story centered on him. So uh, I like the pick of Sodini. Uh, we are going to put a nice little bow on this episode. Uh, we are talking best sports movie speeches in our trifecta. My guess is you're going to have uh, a lot of football coaches on Friday and Saturday, our, our local uh, prep football coaches, trying to pump their teams up with uh, a good either pregame speech or halftime speech or whatever. It, like Maybe they're just going to play one of these speeches from a, a bevy of sports movies uh, to choose from. Uh, James, I'm going to start with you on this one, and it's a movie that we've brought up before, but it's clearly a, you know, a top-of-the-line choice. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with Miracle and, uh, you know, Kurt Russell as Coach Herb Brooks. There, there's so many speeches in that movie, you know, you're not quite sure if, if all of them really happened that way. But there's so many good uh, good speeches in that movie that uh, you could you could choose several of them. Um, I mean, the... Uh, the the pregame speech right before the the semifinal game um, is just I think one of the one of the better ones uh, where he says uh, if we played them ten times they might win. they might win nine 
but not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Clearly, that, that is in, well, the top three, at least for us, because we're the, we're the three guys going. I am actually going to go with another coach with the initials HB. I am going to go with Coach Herman Boone from Remember the Titans. Uh, the speech he gives after taking his players for a run to the site of the Battle of Gettysburg at dawn, there's that great line when he says, and you take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hallowed ground, we too will be destroyed. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoke, and hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. They killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. What that does, it's such a powerful movie for so many reasons. It shows you there are things greater than the game of football, but you can learn from the experiences and the mistakes of the past. Um, that right there, that, that moment, it's, it's when it clicks for the players. You can either lose as an individual or you can win as a team. And, might I add quite the cast other than Denzel Washington 
you've got a young Ryan Gosling who's dancing to country music, and that's basically just a cherry on top of the Sunday of that movie. You've also got a young Hayden Panettiere before her time as Claire Bennett, the cheerleader uh, on, on Heroes. Then there's Wood Harris before he was Avon Barksdale on The Wire, uh, which is the greatest show in the history of TV. You've also got Ryan Hurst as Gary Bertier before he was Opie Winston on Sons of Anarchy, another great show. And you've got Donald Faison, better known as Turk from Scrubs, one of my favorite shows. I mean, how do you beat that? That's just, I mean, that's, that's a movie that launched the careers of many people. Yeah, I Remember the Titans is definitely one of my favorites. It's uh, got so many different layers and elements to it, you know, from football to you know, just learning about life to obviously everything that the country was going through that time with integration and all that, uh, it, it touches on so many levels. It's incredible for my speech. I, I, I think I probably reference any given Sunday on this podcast a lot, a lot. (laughs) I want you to know before you say what this is, I looked at a lot of websites and their rankings of speeches in sports movies, and this was number one on almost all of them. And I have not looked at any lists in preparation for this. I just knew as soon as it was the topic that this was number one for me. Um, But, yeah, Al Pacino's character, Tony D'Amato, in Any Given Sunday, comes towards the end of the movie, and, you know, his sharks are kind of getting it handed to him, and, you know, they've had some fractures within the team and whatnot throughout the film, and you know, trying to figure out how they're going to move forward. And it's a it's a pretty lengthy speech. I'm obviously not going to even try to imitate it or, or anything. But, I mean, I, I don't know what, what the, they were calling this speech on the list, but I just kind of call it the fingernails speech. And um, You're not going to give me a hoo from Al Pacino? You're not going to give me any of that? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But, uh, you know, he just he talks about, and I, I think this is, probably a pretty common theme that a a lot of football coaches use and just you know the idea that every inch is important and it gets to the point of the speech where he just talks about how uh you have to claw with your fingernails you find out life's this game of inches so is football because in either game life or football the margin for error is so small i mean One half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that inch. Uh, for that inch, for the guy next to you, for the guy you're playing for, and every inch is important, and you have to win that inch in front of you before you can go for the next one. And it, I mean, it's just a, it's a pretty excellent speech. I I think that this one right here, this category, 
is my favorite one that we've done so far. Last week was the most difficult. This one, yeah, this is a favorite. This is... It's just, like I said, those speeches are so emotional and you connect with them, especially if you've been an athlete in the past and you've had a coach sit down and talk with you, either one-on-one or as a team. It's, uh, those, those are special moments and ones that you remember. That'll do it for this episode of the Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Queeley, and I'm with James Cook and Brett Summers. You can find us on Twitter at TCRE Sports. You can find uh, Brett at BA Sports Writer and James at JamesCook14. And you can find me at Brendan Queeley. Of course, uh, make sure that you tune in Saturday morning. We'll have a new uh, The Get Around After Dark in which we break, break down Uh, the playoff matchups that we were talking about today Um, and make sure that you spread the word on this podcast Uh, we're getting a lot of listens and we've got a love from the fans and we've got a love we uh, we as as a trio have a lot of love for those fans who are listening to this thank you so much one more time for listening and have a great rest of the week